What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Keep It Posy podcast. My name is Jasmine, and this is episode 38. March 31st, 1995 was not a normal day in music. Unfortunately, on this day, Selena's life was taken away. At only 23 years old, she left a positive mark in the music industry and impacted people of all ages throughout her career. But to people of color, many may tell you that they felt represented when they saw her on stage. Although I was little when the tragedy happened, I knew that Selena was like me, a woman of color. I just wanted to take a moment to thank Selena for everything that she did and the legacy that she left behind because her going out there and taking risk and not letting barriers stop her from pursuing her dreams is an example that people that look like her can accomplish whatever they set their minds to. This week's episode features Chris and Cameron, two members of Brave New World, a post-hardcore rock band out of Florida. Chris sings and Cameron plays drums. In this conversation, we talked about their new EP titled Blossom, their introduction to music, their eclectic dream festival lineup that they would love to be a part of, plus more. Here's my conversation with Chris and Cameron on the Keep It Posy podcast. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, you guys released an EP in January mm-hmm. titled Blossom. Uh, and that, that's your debut release, right? Aside from singles? Yep. Um, so actually, we started debuting the first single for that in, I think it was April of 2019, yeah. um, was our first single. We dropped Hiding Season. And from there, we've just been dropping songs every few months um, leading up to the full debut, which was back in January. Awesome. So you guys put that out. And there's a couple of things I wanted to ask about it. Uh, first off, the themes you guys discussed, some of them being mental illness and, you know, just growth. Can you talk about those themes and any specific moments or experiences that the songs are about? Um, yeah. Um, Blossom as a whole kind of stemmed from this idea that I had gotten stagnant. You know, like I had gotten to a point where music, music was always like a creative release and it just wasn't really hitting hitting those vibes anymore. We had had a lot of guitar uh, member changes and we had just kind of reached a creative standstill where we weren't really pumping stuff out that we were excited about anymore. And that had kind of leaked out into um, just into your personal life. Cause you know, when you're not excelling at something that you're excited about, it's really easy to get, uh, to get wrapped up in your depression. Um, and I really like leading up to that, we just kind of had a period of, of not practicing or well, we would practice, but just not really, not really writing with a goal, you know, just kind of like jamming to, to like stretch your, your limbs really. Um, and I kind of started toying around with the idea that instead of writing songs that were, were more like conceptual or like about, you know, like 
love or like, you know, like having fun or, or like human relationships that I would write stuff that was personal, you know, and like kind of focus on what I was going through at the time and like the, the struggles that I was going with mentally and like trying to find, you know, a reason to continue working. And like a lot of that, you know, deserved an analysis. And I think that that's kind of where we, we landed on the idea of Blossom and what we were going to write the album about. And <clears throat> Hiding Season, the first song we wrote, and kind of like encapsulated that. Like it was like the idea of, uh, of like just wanting to, wanting to isolate yourself, you know, and wanting to be, mm -hmm. be kind of separated from, uh, from your friends and people that were close to you and, and how you could, you could really lead a double life and, and uh, just kind of, kind of like neglect a lot of the, the real issues that were staring you in the face for the sake of continuing forward. And I, I think that, by the time we hit the studio, like like we really had a, a solid body of songs that that analyzed all of those emotions and like ways to work through it and ways to to like channel it positively and and to make something good out of it. And there you go, and you guys put that out, and you guys have a music video out for Sour Honey. Mm -hmm. What made you guys say, "Hey, like, let's work with arcades"? Um, I think like, I've just always kind of been, been fascinated by, by like older, older video games and like older, older technology. Like a lot of the stuff that came out of the eighties that, uh, that like retro, uh, vibe and like eight bit, um, like graphic style. So, um, so just kind of tying in, into, into obsession and like the, like really harping on being focused on something and, and not wanting to let go of it, even at the detriment of your, your personal and mental health um, mm -hmm. really kind of tied in a little bit to video games because video games are always like something that was fun and like a, a cool creative release, but I could also see how just like anything else, like you could get addicted to it. And thankfully our director, Justin, who actually lives in LA as well, was shout able to Justin find Bernardes. Yeah. Thank, shout out Justin Bernardes. Um, he was able to find a really cool arcade um, who was able to get us in at a good price for the amount of time that we need. And the actor that's actually in that is the actor who's been in our previous videos as well. So it kind of just tied in together um, from everything that we've done beforehand. Cool. So I'm always curious to find out about how people got into music to begin with. So what was your introduction to music? I guess I'll kind of go first on that. Um, so my brother was actually the reason I got into music. My brother's about seven years older than me. Um, and he always played guitar when I was growing up. And I always wanted to, you know, be in a band with him and, you know, be that brother. But it ended up never really working out that way because he was in bands. I was in different bands. So we never actually got to play together. Um, but growing up, you know, just watching him play on stage and going to his shows, it really inspired me. And then uh, I actually remember one specific time that I realized when I wanted to be a musician was when I saw Circus Survive at Warped Tour in 2007. So I was 13 at the time, and I just stumbled upon this band who I kind of knew, but I'd never really seen before. And that performance literally changed my life. So uh, shout out Anthony Green. Um, for me, it kind of it started really early. Like everybody, at least on my mom's side of the family, is really, really musical. Like uh, my mother plays piano. My brother, like, always kind of wanted to strangle my little brother growing up because he was really <laughs> good at everything that he tried musically. Like he picked up like six instruments, and to this day, he still teaches music. He's like, if you ever sing, I'm going to smother you in your sleep. 
Um, but like music was always a part of a part of growing up. But to me, like the, I think the first time that I really saw live music, like I was five and I saw a Red Hot Chili Peppers show, and mm-hmm. and just like the the energy of of that live stage, um, kind of like bled over into the rest of my life. Like I saw that. And I think I saw like some old, uh, some old like Parliament videos and and just you know things that were on MTV at the time and a lot of '90s grunge because I had older cousins that were into you know like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana um, and uh, you know like that whole thing. So I, I think like really early on it was just instilled that I wanted to I wanted to create something that was like bigger than myself. You know, like I mm-hmm. always thought of like musicians as uh, as like not necessarily more than people, but, but like they had created something that kind of went beyond them. Like you could hold it in your hands when you held an album, like you could like hold those lyrical inserts and like, kind of like view those ideas. And, and it was something that always really kind of captivated me. So I, I don't know. I've kind of always wanted to be in bands. I, I was in like all kinds of little like clunky bands in high school. Um, you know, and, and I actually was in a band when I met his older brother, I was friends with his older brother, Adam for a long time. Uh, That's how I met Chris was at um, his band played with my brother's band and I used to do merch for my brother's band. So I was always on tour with them and we just ended up collaborating a bunch actually. Yeah. Yeah. This ties together. That's awesome. And that's the whole point, right? Just, you just never know where it's going to lead you to. I mean, I knew we knew each other almost what, 10 years, I'd say Um, years. about 10 years before we started the band. Oh, wow. That's awesome guys. I know that for you, Chris, you mentioned Red Hot Chili Peppers. Was that your first show? Yeah. Oh, wow. That, like, how did that happen? Like, your parents were like, hey, we're going or what's going on? All right. So um, I, I was definitely not supposed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so so I'm, this is probably telling on some people. Um, but while while I should have been been watched by by an older family member who shall remain nameless, uh, while my mom was out of town, I was allowed to uh, to accompany them to this concert and and see it. Um, and it just kind of stuck, you know. So uh, I won't I won't delve too much into it because I don't want to I don't want to. I'm pretty sure that everybody involved knows about it. Anyway. But um, but yeah, it was a clandestine thing where I was smuggled into the show and, and it was really, really awesome. Like it kind of, it, it stuck with me. Like it was loud and, and like bright and, and jarring. And, um, and I just kind of knew from that moment on that like music was definitely something that I wanted to, to at least experience as much as possible, if not have it be a part of my life. And it really kind of became a cornerstone of everything that I, I did. That's awesome. Cameron, you talked about Circa at Warp Tour. Was that your first show, like your first concert? I won't say it was my first concert. It was my first festival. I actually, my first concert was from first to last, Chiodos, Atreyu, and Every Time I Die. Um, that was two weeks before Warp Tour. I just got thrown straight into Warp Tour. And like, I didn't even, I, to this day, I still like look back and wish I would have known some of the bands better. So it's like, you know, Coheed and Cambria played and stuff. And it's like, I didn't really know who they were when I was 13. But Stumbling Upon Circus Survive really stuck out to me. Um, and they're still one of my favorite bands. I've got uh, their symbol tattooed on me. Like, it really changed my life. But I've kind of driven away a little bit from that style. Um, but I still respect what they do. Wow, that's awesome. Like, just jumping into Warp Tour. Yeah, no, you're right, because, you know, back then, I feel like a handful of those bands, they're they're not even together anymore. Yeah, no, really, though, like, 
the people that were headlining is like either they're huge now or they're you know they've dissolved but i thankfully i've been able to go to quite a few warp tours before warp tour actually called it quits so that's the one thing i'll always cherish is the experiences i've got to i've gotten there um the people i've met tell me about it the first time i went was at dodger stadium and of course, when you're new and you don't know anyone else who's gone, like you go in not knowing what to do or what not to do. But you know, you learn for the future. What was the first album you guys ever bought? I bought two albums on the same day. I bought uh, Prayer in the Refugee for, from Rise Against, and I bought In the Wake of Determination from Story of the Year. I think I was 11. Yeah. I think uh, I was probably, I was probably, I don't know, like eight or nine. Siamese Dream by Smashing Pumpkins was the first album that I picked up, though. Um, I got, I can't remember where we got that. I think it was somewhere weird, like a Kmart or somewhere, you know, just mm -hmm. like that. I had like a random music section. Um, and I like, like picking out albums was always something that was uh, that was really big uh, as a kid. Like that was like the that was like your your thing like through the month. Like yep. if if we had extra money, like okay, cool, you can go get an album. Yep. Like, and I'd like always, I'd yeah. always do the same. Yeah, and that, that, grade, like, that like that like devolved really quickly into like okay, go like go do side jobs and make money to buy your mm -hmm. albums, you know. But um, like that was I think that was the first one. Yeah, I just really I don't know if it was the cover or what, but I was like, Yeah, I want that one. And she was like, What do you know about that band? I was like, I don't know. I, I just like it. And she was like, Okay, cool, we'll check it out and see what you think. Yeah, Kmart too. They yeah. had the unedited ones. Yeah. Like she was really big about that too. Like she didn't like she didn't like edited CDs. Like she thought that was dumb. She was like, If you're gonna be exposed to something, you should be exposed to it and make your own opinions. The exact opposite of my parents. I think I got all of my albums from Walmart because they were all edited. And that's what my parents were about. Good old Walmart. Good old Walmart. Love it. Dude. Well, I guess two points I'll touch. Um, first with Smashing Pumpkins. Is that how you learned who they were? I think I probably heard them from one of my older cousins. They were they were around a lot as far as like uh and my uncle too like there were always there were always family members around that had different different bands or albums on that was a big that was a big deal um we had a lot of family gatherings and you would get together and everybody kind of like share music that they were interested in and to or like rock albums that they liked so there was always music on um so i'm pretty sure i might have encountered them before that but that was definitely the first time that i was like okay i'm gonna latch onto this and and really you know like indulge this band Got it. And then Cameron, um, for Rise Against and uh, Story of the Year, you are, you were already a fan prior to buying their albums. My brother grew up a punk kid, so I kind of followed in his footsteps. He was big in like Blink One Eighty Two, um, okay. you know, old Rise Against. So I, I listened to a lot of like Siren Song of the uh, Counterculture, and then he was really big into um, Page Avenue from Story of the Year when it came out. So like. That was the one that I knew I had to get to kind of like, I felt like I one-upped him a little bit. So I was like, I got it first. <laughs> at that point, I realized like, oh, this is an entire genre. Yeah. This is this is more than just, you know, these radio bands and what I can find on MTV. Yeah, yeah no, and I feel you on the Walmart thing um, because, you know, there are certain 
bands too like the covers are just like your parents are gonna question you do like what is this mm -hmm. so my way around it eventually I, as when i was older i bought the albums for the bands because i did feel bad but my way around it were um friends of mine would burn me copies of the music <laughs> just like it. dude you know what i mean because you knew that parents were gonna question something but i don't i felt bad later on so i'm like i'm gonna buy this when i can or when i'm old enough to do it or go see the band play um you know kind of hard to ask your parents like can you buy me a i set to kill album they're like wait what <laughs> that's not even like a crazy band or like the devil wears prada like they, they would never know that's a christian band like no idea from these band names and it was just like i would rather just take another route and download this album yeah, dude. And um and I feel like those bands understood that too. Yeah, they get it. They were our age at some point. Yeah, dude. I mean, you you know, if you support the band, you find a way to support the band afterwards. I feel like okay, like yeah, that's cool. For sure. I mean, we're going to see the band live more than likely. 9 times out of 10, they're going to tour around here somewhere. Yeah, dude. No, I feel that 100%. What three bands, dead or alive, would you play a show with, and where would you play? Hmm. That's a great question. God, that is a really good question. <laughs> um, fuck. That's one of the few times that I've ever been like super stumped and I've had to like stop and think. Because um, there are a lot of bands that I really respect and would love to like see that I can't see anymore. But yeah. I don't know if I would want to have to share a, a stage with them because I feel like I would be super intimidated. Can I open? Can I open this show? I want to open this show. Yeah, oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> like, I'm definitely not going to want to follow, like, my, my dream lineup. Okay, so I would like to play somewhere small, like the crane pit, yeah. like, the, like the pit that they do, like a really small pit. Yeah. I, would like I would want, like, like maybe, like, early, like, early CBGB's show would be dope like somewhere that was just super intimate and packed um i think i got it i think i would probably do just for the sake of how fun they are live i would probably do straight for the path okay um i would have to say while she sleeps again just for how fun they are live and and then have the 1975 headline that'd be pretty dope um dead or alive all right so Parliament, um, James Brown, uh, Bootsy Collins, and, and and like in no way, shape, or form would this ever line up as like an actual lineup. Uh, but maybe, maybe also like early Queens of the Stone Age. Three bands, bro. I mean, like it's uh, you know we could we could shorten set time. So <laughs> nobody's gonna minutes. get nobody's gonna get a full set. Like, <laughs> everyone will be songs, paid. Everyone will be get paid off the in stage. pizza. Like, could you imagine paying James Brown in pizza? <laughs> no, he gets bar tab. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets drink tickets. I would want to like he'd probably shoot you. I wouldn't want to, but that would be yeah. That's a small start. I have a lot, but. I definitely want to open that bill. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near like the middle. Yeah, I just want to see. Fuck. No. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Let's take it, I guess, a step further. If you could create your own festival, 
that's sick. That's a good one. How many bands do we have? Okay, well, I'll say it straight up. There's no, the budget doesn't matter. It's your dream lineup, right? <laughs> right? Dream. So you go big or you go home. So uh, three-day weekend, let's say, um, I mean, I don't know, 10 bands, 15 bands total. Okay, and so and do you have a venue that you would want to do that at? Venue, uh, let's do it at either Reading or Leeds, um, just because it's insane there every time. I want to do night one. I want Ariana Grande. I want Troy Sivan. I want oh god, who else do I want? I want Charlie Puth. I want Young Blood. And I want Black Bear. And then night two, I just want to see Iron Maiden. And probably just because he's awesome, Rob Zombie and Slipknot. Yeah, Rob Zombie. Just for insane. I love Rob Rob Zombie's live set. Just for insane, like, live set. And then let's say night three. um, That's a tough one. I don't even know. Dude, like, this this is eclectic. I like it. Can we just have uh I just want to have Ariana Grande headline again. I'm just going to hire her for all three nights. <laughs> all three nights. Yeah. That that's my. She performs after Iron Maiden. <laughs> God, I would pay <laughs> so much money. <laughs> um and Oliver Tree. I want her Oliver Tree. Right yeah, that'd be fun too. Uh Aesop Rock. Um oh, run the jewels. Run the jewels. Oh, jewels. Uh are we still in Alive or Dead? Or are we just like pre-existing festival now? Oh, dude, just go with the Live or Dead if you want. Okay. That's God. That's gonna get too broad. I may stay with Live. We'll start there. Um, <laughs> jumping in advance, like Deftones. Um, on one night. Definitely, I would definitely want Deftones on the hip hop night. Dude, I want Deftones right either right before or right after Run the Jewels because yeah. I really want to like to like feature one of their songs. That'd be really sick. Um, and then maybe, maybe like, yeah, Rage Against the Machine on that night would be sick. Um, and then the next night we could kind of like mellow it down and do more like funk stuff. Like we could definitely, uh, we could definitely do the Parliament thing again. Um, we could get Thundercat on that. That would be cool. Like Parliament and Thundercat. Uh, Daft Punk. Oh, R.I.P. Everyone would be down because. And then also like Mars everyone. Volta on like. Everyone would be down. Oh wow, that would be sick. I want to say this is the greatest question I've ever been asked. Yeah, it's pretty it. good. Oh, uh, dude, thanks, man. I um. This is definitely one of the top questions that we've had in this slew of interviews for this album. The whole time I was just thinking, like, who have I been listening to? Ariana Grande. Okay. Uh, and then like the, like the third night we'd probably go like like fast and nasty. Like turnstile, um, like rotting out. Yeah, uh, yeah, straight from the path. Um, just throw architects on it and call it a day. Yeah, architects would be cool. I'd I'd like architects on that glass jaw. Oh, um, would be dope as well. And then then maybe like some some UK bands would also be cool. Uh, like gender roles is really good. Um, and like royal blood. Royal it's, Royal bro, Blood for like a radio features. band, they kill it. I love they Royal Blood. On the new yeah, yeah, yeah. Album. Holy They're crap. sick. They're super sick. I like that. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that would be, be my festival. 
Dude, that's awesome. I mean, it's all eclectic, which is tight. What helps you guys stay positive? I think definitely the band. Mm. Uh, being like working on music is, is always something that, that I can find to be positive about. Like, even when it's frustrating and I hate it. Um, because there are definitely those days where I'm like, God, this sucks. <laughs> like, I hate that I'm doing this. But like at the same time, I wouldn't have it any other way because it, at the end of the day, like no matter how frustrating uh, the day is or like whatever we go through in writing or trying to create, like we get to sit back and say like, we've put something out that, you know, emotionally impacted people. You know, I've had people that have reached out and said like, Hey man, that, that album really meant a lot to me. You know, I was going through a lot and, and I feel like I could really relate to a lot of those songs. I mean, honestly, kind of took the words out of my mouth. Um, really the band members helped me stay positive a lot. Just like, any, any any one of these dudes, their family. So anytime mm-hmm. we're having a rough time, we can call each other up and you know just kind of hash it out. Any anytime we need to talk to each other, we can just talk it out. We're not holding grudges, so it's like it's a different vibe than any other band I've ever been in. So it's just kind of gotten to the point that we are we are holding each other up. We wrestle each other for dominance. Yeah, like we tie our ankles together, uh, and we're each given a sizable rock. And then the goal is to just kind of like knock the other guy out uh, before he knocks you out. And then if, you know, like whoever wins that contest is who, you know, kind of decides the issue. And that's, that's how we resolve most of our band conflicts. Cool. Um, <laughs> no, I was just saying, cause I, no, cause I, I honestly, I've never been in a band. Like I played music growing up, but I was never in a band. So yeah. sometimes I'm just like, I don't know if I could be in a band, it's, you know, different personalities and all that stuff. So it's, it's not for everybody. That's the first thing I'll tell people when they ask me if they, if they should start a band, I tell them they, they shouldn't. If you have to ask that question, you shouldn't start a band. Yeah. Um, because really, it, yeah, if you're wondering about it, don't do it because you're starting a business. You're, you're having to learn to be so many things in one person. Um, you have to learn marketing. You have to learn uh, recording. You have to learn pictures. You have to learn style. You have to learn all of these things that you didn't even think about. And so many skills that you don't possess beforehand. And it's so stressful to have to learn all of that stuff and start from the beginning. But it pays off so much being like seeing the final product and actually having people resonate with it. So it's, it's a love-hate process to say the least. And I, I wouldn't give it up for the world. Mm-hmm. My wallet might. Well, kudos, guys, because honestly, um, it sucks when you hear about bands, you know, they couldn't make it work for whatever reason. And sometimes it's not even personalities. It's just, you know. um, It's business. Yeah. Really, it boils down to just being business. Like you have to you have to take the personal side out out of it sometimes. And that's. It's a good part about Brave New World, in my opinion, because there's five members. So we're a democracy. Everything that we have an issue with goes to a vote. And, you know, there's never really an odd one out. I mean, if there is an odd one out, there's, you know, there's somebody to take sides somewhere. Um, But a lot of bands don't have that, I've seen. A lot of bands just kind of either hold it in and never talk about their issues and then eventually break up, which sucks. Or, you know, they find other ways to get about it. But, you know, it's it's really being able to work with the members that you have to treat. Yeah. I mean, you just... I mean, you can, like, fight each other, I guess, but, like, that never really, really turns out well. It all depends on how you fight each other. You get, like, 
like Little boxing strikes. gloves. Boxing gloves are a good idea. Give me shots. <laughs> we don't fight each other. Brave New World does not fight each other. Brave New World does not fight each other. <laughs> so I have nothing else to ask unless there's anything else you guys wanted to talk about. No, I mean that kind of that kind of sums it up. I thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it, and we appreciate the opportunity. Um, we just really appreciate you having us on. Um, and if anybody you know doesn't know who we are, we are Brave New World. Um, you can actually find us at We Are Brave New World pretty much everywhere: um, Instagram, Facebook. We don't have a Twitter, but we do have a YouTube and a TikTok now. So find us on there. We're trying to learn that platform and listen to our new EP, Blossom. Yep. Come to a county fair near you. I've got some of the best jams you'll ever taste. So that was my conversation with Chris and Cameron. I look forward to seeing them play when they make it out to LA. If you would like to follow Brave New World on social media, it's Brave New World on Facebook and at We Are Brave New World on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you again to Chris and Cameron for being guests on the podcast. If you haven't yet, please check out the Keep It Posy podcast playlist on Spotify. Sour Honey has been added to the playlist and it's the latest single off of Brave New World's latest EP, Blossom, available everywhere now. The music video for Sour Honey is also streaming online. As always, you can hit me up via email or social media, keepitposy.com for all the contact info. Thank you again to everyone for listening to another episode of the Keep It Posy podcast. Please take care of yourself and watch out for each other. Stay posy always. And remember, life is like a mosh pit. If you see someone fall, You gotta help that person get back up.